Wonderful. So I'm really uh, excited to be talking to you today about multiplying disciples, uh, which is what we're talking about. We want to multiply disciples. We want new disciples. We want people to become Christians, to get to know Jesus and to learn how to follow him. That's what we're about. That's the command that Jesus left us with to go and make disciples, not stay, but go. And uh, so we're talking about that. But where are they? Where are these disciples? Where do we find these people that are going to become uh, new disciples of Jesus? And uh, that's what I want to talk about today. And Alice and I, I've got to say, we have been realizing more and more that these people are everywhere. That these people are everywhere in as many places as there are people. And wherever we are, they are everywhere. They are absolutely everywhere. So you just think about where all the people are. That's where they are, everywhere. I know it's really basic, but actually we just need our eyes open to see this. We, we, we don't need to frown and worry about where are these new disciples going to come from because they are everywhere. Anyway, I think I've made that point. And I just want to tell you a few stories from our last few weeks to illustrate these opportunities that are all around us. Uh, so last month, Alice and I, we celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. And uh, so 26, just remember that that's important. I know that we don't look old enough, as I often say, but it's absolutely true. And we went to the restaurant and we were greeted by a young man who said, you really don't look old enough. So that was encouraging. That's how it started. Uh, and also, he couldn't believe that anybody would have been married that long. Uh, I thought it was a personal attack on me, but <laughs> I don't think it was. Um, but it was it was because, really, people aren't staying together that long. So for him, he hadn't met anybody who'd been married for that long before. And then after seating us, the waiter came to take our order, and he says he couldn't believe that we'd been married for 26 Years, He said he hadn't met anybody who'd been married that long either. And uh, But he also went on to say, and the staggering thing is, do you know, I'm 26, and you're seated at table 26. <laughs> and he just thought this was a superb coincidence. And as Alison, uh, as he went away, Alison and I kind of locked eyes and said, this is a God thing. <laughs> we sensed an ambush. And so we thought, well... I wonder what 26 means. I wonder what 26 represents. What does it represent biblically? So I got out my little um, dictionary and, and did a bit of a search. And, and it's the equivalent word for agape in Hebrew. Agape means God's unconditional love. And we thought, oh, I think God might love us. And I think he might love this young man. And so when he came back, we said to him, look, did you know 26 represents this? And it means God's love. And it means that God loves you completely and utterly and unconditionally. I don't know if you knew that. He said, that's amazing. And I said, and I'll tell you what, I bet the bill's £26 as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. <laughs> and the thing is, he was totally freaked out by this. Um, so there you go. He, he was freaked out. And then, what, what's the matter? What have I said wrong? No, no, no. It wasn't a cheap meal. It was... <laughs> I had a voucher. I took my wife out on a voucher. How about that? So that was just the balance. Anyway, um, so, so that was last month. Uh, 
Alison's worried about the detail. I'm not. So, and then last week, we were shopping at Costco. Again, big spenders. And uh, as we were standing in the queue, a man approached us and said, so, he said, what do you do for a living? And I said, uh, what do you mean? He says, well, are you a professional? I said, uh, well, kind of. And he said, well, are you a professional pianist? <laughs> and actually, I'd just been tinkering on this piano in the store, and he thought I was, a pre- I was really chuffed with that. <laughs> And anyway, he persisted, and the conversation went on, and he wanted to know about us. So I told him what I did, and I told him what I used to do. And he was so stunned, he literally didn't know what to say. And I just thought, oh my goodness, I think that was a God moment, and I almost missed that. Just to tell him uh, what I do for a living. And I thought afterwards, I actually probably missed a bit of that opportunity. I could have gone further. But he was literally speechless and, and wasn't able to express any further opinions. So I thought that was pretty cool. And last week, I was asked to preach at a funeral of a close friend. And do you know what? There were dozens of unbelievers there. And uh, we're still hearing stories, actually, of, of conversations that came out of that day. Uh, I felt God really challenged me to bring a message that was a bit more difficult to bring. And especially for the Christians, they actually found this quite a hard message because the message I brought was, surely there were more deserving people of death than this young lady. There were other people that should have died, but not this one. God, I don't understand you. And I, and I went right to the edge of God, I don't understand you. And, and God is on, you can't understand him because he's so big and he's so difficult to understand. But I know he's here and I know he's with me and I know he loves me. And uh, Christians and the unbelievers were really stirred by that particular balance. And earlier this week, a neighbour came around to see us. And uh, you will have heard about these neighbours before, I think. We've been praying for them, uh, believing God for them for a while. This is the man who used to say, oh, bless me, Father, as I walked up the drive. <laughs> so um, anyway, they came around this week and they wanted to share some exciting news. Their daughter's getting married, and uh, they want us to be involved in everything. They want us to be involved in everything. So they've invited us to join, us to join them in their family celebrations. Their daughter's not being married until next year, but we're invited. And so we're just really encouraged about it, really excited about that. I just wanted to tell you those stories to illustrate the fact that we leak. We temples leak, and out there the river is deeper. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you've got to listen to the other talks in the series. And I also wanted to tell you these stories because we didn't do anything to make any of that happen. We didn't follow a, a kind of strategy. We didn't decide to be evangelistic. We just lived our lives and stuff happened. You see, God's glory is always leaking out and it's attractive to people. Everywhere we go, there are people who are needing guidance and wisdom, reassurance and encouragement. People who are wanting to be taught and shown the way of life, not in an arrogant way, but they see something that we've got. I've been thinking about, you know, Jesus says we're to be light. Do you know the most obvious uh, expression of that is that we just live transparently. So we can let people see who we are and how we live. And sometimes these things can happen so quickly and so easily that we might even miss what's happening right in front of us. 
Nessa Heidi Baker talks about the fact that she learned the importance of stopping for the one and recognition of the fact that God is bringing people across our paths all the time. We just need to recognize them when it happens. So take a moment now. Think back over your week. Think back over the last month. What are some of your stories? What are perhaps some of those interactions that need reinterpreting in the light of what I've just said? You know, why did the postman stop me for 10 minutes just to chat on that particular morning? Why wouldn't that cashier let me get away when I was trying to pay and get on with my day? That happened to me on Friday. I thought, oh, hold on a minute, stopped and talked in Marks and Spencers when I bought my new cardigan. No, in fact, my thermal underwear. That's right. (laughs) Why are you buying thermal underwear, sir? Oh, I'm going to Russia. Why are you going to Russia? Oh. Stop for the one that God has put in front of you. So I just want to give you a couple of minutes now. Just talk to the person next to you. And just say, look, actually, this has happened. I've just realized that maybe that was one of those. Just talk to the person next to you for a few minutes. Or if you haven't got any stories, then say, I haven't got any stories. But maybe I need to think about this a bit more. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. Just talk to the person next to you. Okay. Seems like there's quite a few stories going around the room, so that, that's good news. <clears throat> I mean, there are all kinds of things that happen to us in the week that we're not expecting. Whenever those things happen, always be alert. When you end up going to a hospital when you weren't expecting to, to visit somebody, be alert. When you end up having to take your car into the garage when you weren't expecting to, be alert. Be alert when something changes your plan for the day because that could be God's opportunity. Or maybe we can have that heart or that mindset as our days are changed, as they are deviated from the normal. And stop. Stop for the one. Pay attention to what God is doing. I mean, of course, none of the people that I've just talked to about have become Christians yet. As far as I know, I mean, I don't know, but you know, I didn't pray the sinner's prayer with anybody. I didn't give them the full gospel or anything like that. But I hope that into in some of those interactions that preconceptions were challenged about God, or maybe even about Christians, because, you know, people say, I like God, but I don't like the Christians. So maybe that, and that's kind of the beginning of evangelism, actually. It's just changing somebody's perception. That's the beginning of repentance, which is changing the way that you think. These little interactions. So today it's going to be quite practical. Is that okay with you? It's going to be quite practical. Um, But I think this is the starting place for multiplying disciples. It's simply about cultivating an openness to what God is already doing around us. Because what I'm realizing more and more is that God is the best evangelist in the universe. He is. And he invites us to partner with him in the transformation of mankind, in the salvation of man. You know, all over the world, he is working in people's lives. He's drawing them to himself. He's appearing in their dreams. He's giving them opportunities to meet with him and get their sins forgiven. You know, God will often set up ambushes for people, hemming them in, 
keeping them safe even, saving their lives so that he can save their souls. I mean, how many of you have been following this news about the California wildfires? I don't know if you came across this story. There was a little church called Mag- Magalia uh, Pines Baptist Church. And the pastor there, he, he, stay, he chose to stay behind in his community, even though everybody was being evacuated, because there were some people there who couldn't uh, be evacuated. Partly that's a problem with the roads, but partly it was a problem with disabilities and old age and that kind of thing. So he decided to stay behind with his people. Actually, no, with his community. There was only about four of his church members left behind. The rest of these people were just people in their community, and they all sheltered together in the church. And the handful of Christians were there that were there started to pray. And they started to pray for protection. And you know, the fire burned all around the buildings, all around the building, but didn't touch the church. It just stands there completely uh, uh, with everything else devastated all around it. How about that? You can read that story. It's on the, it's on the internet at the moment. But you know, Father God is more interested in introducing people to Jesus than any of us will ever be. Do you believe that? He is more interested in introducing people to Jesus than any of us will ever be. Really. That's because it cost him everything. And he wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And the Father is eternally committed to ensuring that not a single precious drop of the blood of his Son is wasted. and That his great sacrifice was not in vain. And so Jesus tells us that the Father is incredibly motivated to give away salvation to anyone who asks. You don't even need to do an alpha course to get salvation. You just need to ask. He gives people every opportunity to come to the knowledge of the truth. As Jesus says, my Father, he's always working. He's always working everywhere, all the time. He never stops in every house, in every street, in every school, in every shop, in every cinema, in every family and every individual person that's ever lived. God's at work. I loved what Becky shared with us last week. I love that sort of idea that she said she would ask Jesus, where are you standing in this room? (laughs) You know, where are you standing in my street, in my classroom? She's a teacher. She said, where are you standing? And it's based in the conviction, really, that he is working everywhere to draw men and women and children to him. And he wants us to co-labor with him, to work with him in finding them. They're everywhere. People are everywhere. And we sat in a traffic jam recently. They're everywhere. Matthew 10 and Luke 10 calls these people that he causes us to interact with, people of peace. These people that the Father is already working with and preparing them to receive salvation. I think we need a mindset change. I think we need a mindset change to get this. They're not resistant. (laughs) People are not resistant, they just don't know. He's working everywhere, and we just need to make ourselves aware of them, because unless we're available and open to him, we can so easily miss what's happening in front of us. Think about it. At the restaurant, 
Could have just been a funny coincidence. No, it was a God moment. The man at the till, maybe he was just over-friendly and a bit nosy. No, he was searching, and something about what we said made him speechless. And the funeral, well, you could say, well, it's part of your job. No, I really believe that God broke in, and people's worldview, Christians as well as unbelievers, was challenged. Because there's a great harvest for us. That's what Jesus says. He says we need to lift up our eyes and see. He took the disciples into a field nearby where they were, and he said to them, look, look, lift up your eyes. I think we need to lift up our eyes. We need to get a bigger picture, a wider picture. We need to see the fields, not just my day-to-day humdrum life. We need to lift up our eyes and see the bigger picture. He says the fields are white to harvest. Why? Because of the parable of the sower. Because of the parable of the sower. I've really been stuck with this parable recently. I, I read somewhere that the farming community who heard the parable of the sower would have been appalled and shocked at what Jesus said about the, the, the seed and the way that the sower dispersed the seed. Because the way that the sower dispersed the seed was kind of indiscriminate and wasteful. And seed was a valuable commodity. A sower would never sow his field that way. But Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's indiscriminate. It's wasteful. It's chancy. Maybe somebody, maybe somebody, it doesn't matter who, maybe somebody will respond. Maybe somebody will receive this. You know, the seed, it represented to the the farming community their future security and livelihood, and and they would have been so careful in the way they sowed it in, in cultivated areas, the best ground for harvest. But that's not what the kingdom of God is like. I think sometimes we can get so strategic that we miss the generosity of God. Indiscriminate wastefulness. All over the place. And because of this, the results will always be mixed. That's what the parable of the sower says. And so for us, there will be some disappointments, some discouragements. And you might even wonder sometimes, has this seed got any power in it? (laughs) You know, I keep giving out the gospel or having these conversations and I don't seem to be getting anything back. But Jesus reassures us, he says in Matthew 9.37, the harvest is plentiful. It's just that the workers are few. (laughs) But the harvest is plentiful. Why? And I think it's because the seed is is sent out so indiscriminately, but I think that the lack of workers is because so few of us can actually see what God is doing. Like I said, we need a mindset change. I was traveling on a train recently and I was really saddened actually to see how many people barely looked up from their phones. I mean, every single person on that train was looking at their phone furiously and urgently as if something really important was... I looked at my phone, there's no signal. But what are they looking at? <laughs> so one guy was looking at family photographs. Another man was looking at a, 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 a website that was old. You know, it wasn't even updating because there's no signal, you know. But people are furiously looking at their phones and, and, and not seeing the, the view outside, not seeing the people around them, not interacting. And I just thought, well, crumbs, if somebody engages with you on public transport... There's a miracle about to happen, so you really need to be aware. 
You need to put your phone down. You need to unplug your earplugs because God's about to do something amazing. Why not pray for it? Give me an interaction. Oh, what? Oh, you want to say something? Alison wants to say something. Is that okay, everybody? I said you could, yeah. You said if I had a story, then I should share it. Um, So, um, talking about um, interactions. So, we have taken the step this year at Toddlers um, of doing a board, Could This Be You? And what we do is, as a team, we pray together before we start the morning, and we just ask God to drop into our minds thoughts or, you know, uh, could this be for somebody here today. So we wrote down some ideas and we put them on a little post-it board and we left the board by the coffee bar area. And one one of them on this particular morning was, I think there's a um, a lady here today who, who has a child with OCD-like tendencies and just left it like that. And um, the whole team is then aware of what has been shared And so throughout the morning, if any one of us become aware of that, then we're able to refer to it and just say, I think maybe God's wanting to encourage you that he's made us aware of this so we can pray for you. On that particular morning, I didn't get to hear anything until the end of the session when one of the team came back to me and said, you know that word you had? Well, that mum came to speak to me today about her child, about how concerned she is. She was really taken aback and shocked that 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 had been something that God had highlighted. Mm. So that was the start of a journey for her, and that journey is continuing with us on a Friday morning. And we've had further opportunities to stand with her and to share with her, and she's now able to talk to us about deeper stuff that's going on in her life, and even on Friday was able to just say, look, now this is what's happening, and... I'm going to start, and I'm, and I'm getting help. And I said, great, you're getting help on a Thursday. Come and pray with us. We'll pray with you on a Friday. So you just don't know where mm. those opportunities are going to start. So just to be open. Oh, be good. courageous. Take the risk. Come on. I've got to say, we, we, we hear stories from toddlers every week. So that's, that's just one of many. And you see, what I, I'm beginning to realize is that the problem with openness to Jesus isn't so much on the unbeliever's side. It's actually on the believer's side. Because we've got some hang-ups about telling people what we know about Jesus. Why don't you just tell the person sat next to you that I don't have this problem? <laughs> And I honestly believe that God is on the move to change this mindset for us, to change it around the other way, because people need to know about Jesus. They need peace. They need security. They need encouragement. They need to be loved. They need to be accepted. All the things that people are looking for. Um, And we often say here that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So how do we do this when it comes to unbelievers? How do we know who these people are? I said they're everywhere, but we do get these mixed results. So how do we know which ones God is actually working on at the moment? Well, in Matthew 10 and Luke 10, 
Jesus told his disciples what to look for. And and to save time this morning, I'm not going to read these chapters to you. uh, But take it from me. There's a definite strategy and plan that he has orchestrated to bring in the harvest. And here it is. This is how Jesus tells us to recognize where the Father has been working. There's three ways. There's only three ways. Here's the first one. They welcome you. Secondly, they listen to you. And thirdly, they serve you in some way. Really simple. Three things. They welcome you, listen to you, and serve you. So they welcome you. So a person that God has been working on will literally open their hearts, their arms, and their homes to invite you in. (laughs) I was sitting in the barbers this last week. No, it was a couple of weeks ago. And the lady there just starts telling me everything that's going on with her. I only asked her, how are you today? I've never met her before. She's never met me. And she tells me everything that's going on in her family. And I was able to encourage her and say, you're doing a great job. Her sister got pregnant. Her boyfriend had gone off and left her. And she's looking after her sister. I encouraged her. I said, that's great. What you're doing is so good. That's really good that you can do that for your sister. I didn't even get the name of Jesus in. But next time, I know which chair I'm going to sit in. (laughs) People literally open their hearts to you. And, but if they don't, Jesus says, don't worry about it. <laughs> Be polite and then move on. You know, sometimes you, you just give it a little, you know, I wonder if they're interested or just ask them another question. They're not interested. Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet because they are not your responsibility. How about that? Does that release you? If the conversation doesn't go right, it's okay. You know, you can practice on people you'll never meet again. That's the best way. So when that happens, don't irritate them. If they're not ready to welcome you, don't Bible bash them. Don't cause them to react. Don't harden them further to the gospel. Let them go because it's not their time or it may not be your time. Um, I I had a a boss back in the 1980s when I first started in work. And he was called Andrew, and he was the most obnoxious, resistant man ever to me because I was a Christian. He constantly tried to undermine my faith, to tempt me with things, to try and get me drunk, anything, anything he could do. And he would call me into his office and berate me about things. And, you know, he wasn't open to the gospel at that time. And I remember before I left that firm, I said to him, I tell you what, Andrew, you are so resistant to God. One day he's going to get you. And when he does, please, we let me know. (laughs) 20 years later. I am down in Devon with another church leader and he tells me, oh, this guy's just become a Christian. He's a lawyer like you used to be. And uh, he says he's got an amazing story of how God has kind of met with him. And I said, what's his name? I said, he said, oh, he's called Andrew Maynard. I said, oh, my goodness, that's that man. (laughs) And it was just phenomenal to hear that actually God got him in the end through a whole lot of different circumstances. Guys, it doesn't matter doesn't matter if they don't respond straight away just be who you are live transparently live openly it will come back especially if they're strongly resistant those are the ones i think god is usually on so if anybody here is strongly resistant just be aware (laughs) he's out to get you but we need to learn to see what the father is doing and then act sometimes we need to move on and leave them in god's hands although even in that situation there's nothing to stop us continually bothering god about them 
say, God, they, they're not listening, you know, a family member or whatever. Keep reminding him. Lord, will you send somebody else in? I remember when we moved into a, a neighborhood, there was a man there who was a backslidden Christian. He got really hurt and, and uh, didn't want to know about God anymore. And he suddenly realized when we moved into the area that there were Christians all around him. He said, oh my goodness, I'm being ambushed, surrounded by fish, as he put it. There's no harm in reminding him about a particular person we care about. A good example of that is the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 and Cornelius in Acts 10. Um, They're both examples of this because they welcome Paul into the house, into their lives, and give him food and shelter, even though they're not even believers at that time. So there's another way to recognize them is that they listen to you. So a person that God is drawing to himself will listen to you and what you say. Because as Jesus says in Luke ten sixteen, he who listens to you listens to me, and he who rejects you rejects me. And it's hard sometimes, isn't it, not to take it personally when we're rejected, especially if it's someone who's close to you. But Jesus is very clear. When it comes to the gospel, their rejection is not of you, but of him. And he feels it. And it's his responsibility. Um, where's Andrew? Is he here? No. Oh. oh, okay. I'll talk about him when he's not here then. That's even better. Uh, no, he's quite okay with me telling you the story that when we first met, Andrew and I, um, he, was, he was quite um, unhappy with me challenging him about his drinking. And uh, he didn't like me very much. And didn't come to church for a while after we had that initial conversation. He was quite strongly resistant. So I gave him over to God in prayer. I handed him over to Jesus and let him do his stuff. Because he's much better at changing hearts and minds than we are. And now Andrew, he's, he's free and he's doing great. And he's amazing. But you know, when someone does start to listen to you, when they start to follow your advice or take some positive steps in the right direction, then this is a strong indication that they're a step closer to making a decision for Jesus. So be encouraged. Um, it can be, it can be about incredibly simple things, actually. One of the things I noticed about our neighbor this year is how they sought and took our advice about their bathroom remodification. I don't know how many times they came in and out of our house just to look at our bathroom. And I thought, oh, my goodness, God, you're up to something here. And so they've got a new bathroom, and it looks just like ours. (laughs) I think ours is better, but there you go. So they've moved up a level, okay? They've taken a step closer, and now they've invited us into their family celebrations, So Lydia, in Acts 16, is an example of that. It says that the Lord opened her heart to respond to the message of Paul. Or a person whose heart is being warmed up to receive the gospel may invite you closer when they serve you in some way. Well, they serve you in some way. Jesus says, as you go about your mission, don't take anything with you. Don't take a bag or extra clothes or money. Don't take your preconceptions Don't take your arguments. Just go empty-handed and live openly. And look out for those who want to help and serve you. And when you find that person, you'll find a person that is looking for God. And I think this is one that I've missed more than others. Um, You know, I thought it was my job to serve people. 
You know, surely Christians are the ones who are to do good works. Well, of course we are. But when it starts happening the other way around, especially if you've not asked for it, pay attention. God's up to something. Uh, But, you know, an unbeliever will sometimes look for ways to support or help you, perhaps unconsciously, as a way of spending more time with you, or because they see something in you that they want to honour. Um, I had a message from Bernice this week, and uh, she said, oh, please share this story, that there's a friend of hers who's been coming on a Tuesday to the studio, and she said, oh, you know, what more can I do to help you? You guys have done so much for me. And so she then volunteered to help in the storehouse this week, and so she's been sorting clothes with Ange, and I think that's really encouraging. Don't you? Isn't that amazing? A step closer, starting to serve, starting to be part of what we're doing. So the example is in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, Jesus asks her for a drink. And the question I think he's asking is, will she serve me? Will you give me a drink? Will she serve me? So he doesn't get a drink, actually. Did you notice that? (laughs) But she listens to him and then brings all her friends to listen to him. And I realize just how many times I might have missed this. Think about an old boss at work who would often just take me out to lunch for no other reason than just to hang out. And I didn't quite get that. I just didn't quite understand it. And I thought, oh, I wish somebody had taught me about this before. Watch out when those kind of things happen, especially when your boss is paying. I mean, come on. Um, or an old neighbor he would often drop in to help me with something or other. I used to find it a minor irritation. Um, and I realized, oh, Lord, I got that one wrong as well. But pay attention when people are looking to help you or serve you in some way. It's an opportunity for them to come a bit closer. So I want to pause again there and just ask you to think and talk to the person next to you again. Say, who might you have missed? Just thinking about some of those signs, the the different ones. They welcome you, listen to you, they serve you. So chat it over and see if you can identify some of the people that God may be working on. Just talk for a moment. And then how about just praying for them briefly, just in twos or threes or whatever. Is that okay? But being interactive today, so just turn to the person next to you. Well, Father God, I want to thank you that you are literally working everywhere. And, Father, sorry, we've, we miss it sometimes because you do it so quickly, so subtly and so gently. But, Father, we want to partner with you. We want to partner with what you're doing. We want to do what you're doing. We want to go where you're going. Father, will you teach us, please? Will you just fill us again with the Holy Spirit right now? Because you said if we're full of the Holy Spirit, we will be witnesses and Father, I just pray, will you make us attractive to people? Will you draw, yeah, some more than us. Um, will you draw people, <laughs> it's just a joke, this is just a joke. Lord, will you draw people to us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.